All right. Hello and welcome to another Win Daily Show. I am Michael Raziel. I have my man Sia Najad. Sia, how are you today? I'm doing awesome. I'm I'm coming down off the adrenaline rush of the Outlaw Tour, which literally is finishing up right now at around 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, you want an update on that stuff or what? I see. You know, I always want to know how much money you made playing golf. You got to tell me. So it's so cool that I can talk about golf on a Tuesday. First of all, uh, I'll tell you what. So I don't know how much money I. Well, okay. In DraftKings, I made about like a 33% return, which, you know, it's not bad. It, it could have been way better. There were a couple guys I switched out last minute because I thought there was going to be some aggressive wind conditions in the afternoon, and that didn't exactly come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, everybody, to be honest with you, everybody on the Discord chat I think did pretty well. Like I haven't seen the final results yet because there's still a group or two left. But in my write-up, in my article yesterday, I mean, most of the guys that we focused, that I focused on in the article actually, you know, had good days. And the cool thing about Discord is there were a couple guys like a couple hours after I published the article that I was sort of fading because of those wind conditions and stuff like that. So we were actually able to talk on the Discord channel for a good like hour or so around like 10 o'clock, nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time and start to make adjustments off of the article. So that was pretty cool. I think everybody did pretty well. So I'm kind of anxiously awaiting the results from from the team at, uh, or from the group on Discord. I'm I'm crossing my fingers for you, man. You always know that uh, I want you to put more money down on these things. So, you know, if 33% return and you put more money down, it sounds like you would have made more money to me. So I'm hopeful Hopeful one of these days you really do start to uh, you know, start playing with some big boy bucks, I guess. But I guess it's the outlaw tour. I can't really give you too much there, right? Michael, I didn't give you the whole story. Oh. So if you noticed on my Twitter account this morning... Not only did we have the article up, which again is for free on windailysports.com, but I actually posted three outright picks. And so the tournament's obviously not over. It's just the first round. All three of my outright picks are in the top seven. One's in third, and the other two are tied for seventh. Uh, a couple of them are kind of like no-name guys that were in that 40 to 1 range. So I'm excited about that. So I, I might, and actually a couple of those guys, I put a D, it wasn't just like a $10 bet this time. So we'll see. Talk to me on Thursday. I might have some news for you. I promise you I will talk to you on Thursday. That's an easy one. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, honestly, 10 10 bucks on 40 40 to 1. I'm not going to be too angry about that return, you know. So uh, I won't really really hold too much against you there. Granted, what was it? You had 13 to 1 a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, again, I'm... I love this. I love seeing what you're doing, how you're doing it. It is a lot of fun there. So very excited. And yes, as Sia was saying, you know, the Discord chat is absolutely fantastic. It's just something that we really love to utilize over here at Win Daily. I mean, it is just a straight up conversation with our pros, with Sia, with some of these other guys, with Ghost, with Nick, with JMO, who we're going to have come on in a couple seconds. And you just get to pick their brain. You get to have those conversations and see what it's like and how they do it. It's not just a, hey, play this guy. It's hey, I can't fit this guy into my lineup, so who do I put in? So it's just so great watching these conversations and and, and having the our pros be able to in, engage with our subscribers. And again, it's free right now. So just go check it out. See what it's like. It's so easy. It's so much fun. I mean, I watch some of it from afar. I take place in some of it. Um, we'll be talking a little bit about soccer later because Rich helped me a lot. So I did make a couple bucks there, which was nice, but it's just fantastic. It's a free resource and we really want to make sure that people are utilizing it. So uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast, there'll be a link in the description go check that out. Just click the link, join. It is completely free. And uh, we want more and more people to get there. And hey, you can talk to Sia about his articles. You can talk to JMO about his articles. You get them win some money. 
And uh, yeah, or you could also fade us. I mean, if you read, read any of my articles, I would highly suggest you fade me. So that's always something. But we're going to be bringing on J-Mo right now. Josh Moore, how you doing, man? Doing well, guys. How's it going? It's a good day, brother. It's a good day. So I actually heard, I just checked the internet, if I'm not mistaken, at about 30, 40 minutes ago, the race that was supposed to happen tonight on Tuesday, the Infinity Series, if I'm not mistaken, that got postponed. That's getting pushed to Thursday. So we have... NASCAR to talk about tonight, but it's the NASCAR tomorrow. As we spoke last week, seven races in 11 days, man. This stuff is starting to get pretty crazy. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, you know, tell us a little bit about the Toyota 500. And is there any difference between the race we saw this past Sunday? Or is it just just the same same track, same place, same everything, right? Uh, very similar race. I mean, people bringing out the exact same cars. Um, I mean... It's a little bit shorter. I think it's 500 kilometers as opposed to 500 miles. But other than that, I'm sure some teams have made adjustments as far as if um, one of their teammates figured something out that was working well in their cars. You know, they spread that out to all four cars. But other than that, we should be looking pretty similar other than um, starting positions. And that, that's what I was just about to ask you. I know they did starting positions a little differently this time. What what exactly did they change and how'd they do it? Because I actually saw you fighting with DraftKings earlier today on Twitter, which I thought was kind of funny, if I'm not mistaken. So what exactly did they change and how is it going to affect some of our DFS lineups moving forward? Yeah, I just was trying to clarify with DraftKings. Um, two of the cars switch drivers. So they will be moved to the rear um, for their starting position but they will still be scored from that qualifying position. So there is a difference between, you know, where they're actually scored from and where they're actually starting at in that race. Interesting. So, yeah, and what about, out. what about the rest of the drivers? What exactly changed from that standpoint? Um, for this race, they took the top 20 from the last race and then inverted those, um, then left the end of the field. So, it's also a little bit different this time as well. We normally get pricing information first, and then you have practice and qualifying. So we have a new information come out after pricing, whereas this time there's not really any new information that's um, going to come out. So everybody, there shouldn't be any mispriced drivers. Some uh, people look a little more expensive, but it's just because the information was already baked into the pricing. That makes sense. So not too much room for uh, for sneaky sneaky movement or uh, just that insider information, I guess. So uh, you know, you, you did a great job with us last uh, last Thursday, telling us some of the picks and the plays you had. So who are you looking at this week for the Toyota 500 and kilometers? Man, there's a couple jokes we can make there, but I think I'm going to let that slide. Um, you know, who are you liking for the Toyota 500? Yeah, this week, like I said, we were able to um, build out projections this morning that are available in the article on the Wind Daily website. Um, basically, just using Vegas odds and then taking that into comparison with the uh, prices as well. Um, so none of these plays, yeah, they're not going to be too sneaky. Um, and the first three basically are all coming from Rex last time. Um, Recky Ricky Stenhouse. Uh, didn't make it through the first lap last race, so he will be starting from the very back. He's uh, $7,900, starting 39th. He's um, only projected to finish 26th, and it's only 36 DK points, but there's really no no downside to Ricky Ricky this week, so hopefully I'm um, all upside and you know maybe they'll get to the end of the race as well. So, mm -hmm. Well, that's nice because we want to be on the we want to be on the last lap. That's one of the most important things, right? Yep. Okay. All right. 
Um, and then the other two as well, Jimmy Johnson. Um, these guys came out with fast cars. Jimmy Johnson ended up getting up to the front for a couple seconds and then wrecked. So he is actually starting 37th um, for this race. He's expected to finish 12th, giving him 60 DK points. And again, there's not much downside to Jimmy Johnson unless he wrecks out again early in the race. And then his teammate, William Byron, also um, may have thought this was another I-race, tried to <laughs> run right up to the front and um, definitely still had his confidence from the I-racing. Um, unfortunately, that didn't work out for him, cut down a tire. Um, so he'll be starting 34th. Um, but both him and Jimmy Johnson had a ton of speed in their car. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to get back to the front of the pack. So, um, you know, Byron starting 34th, expected to finish 11th, which would be for 56 DK points. Um, and again, just not much downside. So all three of those guys uh, should get quite a bit of ownership. I think you'll, you know, you'll see them in a lot of lineups. Mm -hmm. And then rounded out, Kevin Harvick is, was the race winner on Sunday. And he is once again, the um, favorite for this race. So he's pretty much machine is very consistent. Top tens every week, finally got a victory. Um, so he's definitely a good option to put in there for your stud and to help um, capture those laps led and fastest laps points. I love it, man. That's good stuff. And yeah, that, that was, I did, uh, I did turn on the race for a couple minutes and I did actually, I turned it on. I saw, wow, Jimmy Johnson's in front and then yeah, immediately watched him wreck. Um, so that, that was, uh, I don't know if funny is the right word, but I definitely laughed, I guess, which is kind of, it was something. So I guess, you know, that's kind of an interesting, you know, out of curiosity with, with all these guys, you know, having very fast cars, but wrecking, like how, how does, does one of your drivers wrecking in a NASCAR DFS competition, does that pretty much throw you out the window or is there still an opportunity for you to win because so many people end up wrecking in these races? Uh, no, your lineup's typically done. So oh, that's why okay. we, that's why we typically want to do more than one line and get some, um, hedger exposure as far as, you know, one simple check is always to look at if, you know, if one of my drivers, does wreck how many of my lines are done at that point um, so it's just a quick simple back of the napkin check that you can do anytime to make sure that your uh you know your entire contest isn't done when Ricky ricky wrecks out on the first lap of the race you keep calling him that something tells me you uh you might have had him in a couple in your lineups i did not uh <laughs> i love him he's fun to watch he's very exciting he's always trying to make moves to get back up to the front um, so a lot of times he starts in the back and you can, you know, you can definitely count on him trying to get up to the front. It just doesn't always work out for him. I love it. Sia, did you, uh, did you play any NASCAR DFS lines last week? Yeah, I was going to thank JMO because he actually technically did make me some money. So I don't really dabble in NASCAR much. In fact, this was like my, maybe my third time doing NASCAR DFS and I actually made money. The only reason I qualified it is because frankly, I just didn't put a lot into it uh, from financially. But I, you know, I look up after the race and there I am like up about, I would say, 30 percent profit. So I'll take it, man. That's good stuff for for basically blind. And this this is a really a, another good example, Michael, of discord, because, you know, JMO puts his article out, but then he follows it up in discord. And I'm like, you know, 
I see his article. I've got my lineup in, but then he follows it up and there's other, you know, wind daily guys that are following up. And then our wind daily community is, you know, having a back and forth with JMO. So like suddenly I'm like swapping people out at the last second. I asked him some questions about Joey Logano, about some other guys. And he answered me right away, right before the race. And I made money. So, and I know Logano didn't, you know, do what we wanted him to, but some of the other guys really did. So it was impressive. Yeah. We pretty much shit on all the other guys as far as like Tyler Reddick and, um, Kyle Busch, um, trying to think of John Hunter Nemechek, um, and then Eric Jones. We saw Did Eric that. Jones end up panning out? Uh, he was not in the optimal, I believe, but he was close to it. Um, William Byron, I think, was one that we had in there that unfortunately wrecked out. Um, Truex gave me a little bit of scare. I thought he'd finish a little bit further back, and then he ended up finishing exactly where he was projected to. So. Um, but Chase Elliott did end up being optimal over him, I believe, in the um, Vandal side of it. I love it. So, yeah, then obviously Javi took home the 35K. So surprise. It's a good week overall. <laughs> it's a good week at the Wendell family. We do appreciate it. Incredible. And we appreciate you, Josh. Uh, we love what you're doing. Make sure to go follow Josh at DFS underscore no shame. I love that. Where'd you come up with that Twitter handle, by the way? Uh, it was the old um, fantasy football name. So it evolved right. over a couple of years. But. Nothing wrong with that, man. You build up that brand. You take advantage of it. Good stuff. Well, JMO, we really do appreciate you. Thank you so much, man. And thank you, uh, for Sia, for, for making uh, making him a couple bucks. We appreciate you, man. All right. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Have a good night. You too, brother. Good, good for you, Sia. Taking home a couple bucks on NASCAR. Look at you. You're almost like me. I took a couple bucks home on uh, soccer, all thanks to Rich. So I love it. Uh, I, I love it too. And I, I can't believe there's like this much NASCAR in the next few days or in the next week. So I, I got to bring something up though, Michael, when you brought JMO on, I'm pretty sure you said, when you're talking about the race tonight, you said, I checked the internet. Like that's something yeah. like my age class would say mm-hmm. is that is yeah. check the internet. That's not a thing well, for a 20. You don't, right? I, you I don't know where the heck. Well, I'm 28, man. All right. Come on. I'm come 28, on. Come 24. On. That's literally the same thing. I, yeah, I, I can understand that. I mean, yeah, I don't know where I get half my information anymore at this point. I don't know which social media platform is. I don't know what news site it is. I just know I saw it on my phone, which means I got it on the internet. That's all I got, man. It's a good I just point. Want you, to know, you sounded like you were 75 years old. I just want you to know that. That's, that's I will let my grandma know, and I will let her know that you are very much appreciated. So thank you for that, Sia. And yeah, I guess uh, maybe maybe I'll just stick to Twitter next time. How's that sound? But um, no. So yeah, good good for you on on winning some. You have some golf picks in. You won a little on NASCAR. We appreciate JMO and what he does and how he does it again. Check him out on Twitter at DFS underscore No Shame. Check him out on the Discord. JMO is in there all the time. I see him hopping around doing his thing. He's in NASCAR, but he he dabbles. He dabbles. He's a good man. He's all over the place. And as I said, Rich helped me with some money. If any of you saw, l- listened to or saw the stream from last week, uh, as you heard, Rich Masana is incredible. He is amazing. And he literally immediately when one of the top players went down, he messaged me directly. He was like, hey, I know you have this guy in one of your lineups take him out and put this other guy in. And I was like, all right, Rich, whatever you say. Turns out the other guy he told me to get put to put in actually got scratched like 10 minutes before the match started, but it's okay because again, Rich made me some money. I was very happy and it's kind of cool. I had a reason to watch German soccer last weekend. And another thing that was on that was kind of cool. And I know we, we want to talk about it with our golf guy was the, uh, the Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, Matt Wolf event. I watched almost every single second of it. Sia. 
and it was kind of boring. Not going to lie. Yeah, so if you're going to kick off an event like that, and first of all, it's for charity, so I guess it doesn't matter who the participants are if, if they're raising money, but like DJ is sort of like the most boring guy on the wor- in the world, and, and I feel like Rory is not too far off of that. Wait a second. I mean, that's Mr. Paulina Gretzky to you, sir. Yeah. So if if Paulina was playing, I think it would have been a different story. Or if she was caddying, you know, like I get that. Matt Wolf and Ricky, they're fun. But honestly, you could have brought in uh, like, I, and you want Rory because he's big ticket value, and I understand DJ is too. But maybe you should have brought in like a more fun, like a Bubba Watson or somebody that just like you know is just a little bit more dynamic. I think the way they sort of approached the match, it was kind of just like they didn't realize there were cameras on them. They were just lollygagging around the course. I mean, that's you watched more of it than I do, to be per- perfectly honest with you, because I'm looking forward to the Tiger thing this weekend. I actually think, A, there's betting value, and B, the intensity, again, that's for charity. But I think the intensity, because these guys are so competitive, is really going to be there, whereas it really wasn't there last week. So I don't know. You know, ho-hum, I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was it honestly it was nice to see i i love watching golf especially on sundays just because you know that perfectly green grass it's cut they have the trees the sounds of the fake fake birds in the background it's just such a perfect sunday let me sit on my couch after i was outside and had a couple beers kind of thing and i did enjoy it but it, it was kind of boring i also don't know what skins are and they kept saying that the whole time so i was right off the bat very confused uh they had some cool interviews they had bill murray on for a second Mike Tirico is, you know, he, he does his thing. So that was interesting, but yeah, man, I mean, it was, I'm, I'm happy that it happened. If it was on again this weekend, I probably wouldn't watch it though. Yeah. I hear you on that. And by the way, speaking of a couple beers, uh, for, for the kids that are watching the live stream, this is, this is apple juice, obviously. Oh, perfect. It's and this obviously is apple juice. definitely not Bud Light, but it is in my master's koozie right from, there you go. wow. Got it from Augusta. Very appropriate. Not that bad. Nice. Uh, so so let, me, let me tell you, let me tell you about Tiger this weekend. So mm-hmm. we talked, we touched on this a little last week in the, in the live stream and the podcast, but I think he's about minus two thirty, which is like, you know, it's kind of a gross price, but I do think, and we'll see, you know, they'll have prop bets out there that I think will be worth looking at. I haven't like, I have a couple sites that I look at. I haven't really like looked hard. Maybe Thursday we'll go over the, some of those on the Thursday show, but um, just from a, you know, a minus two thirty proposition, you know, I don't love it. Maybe the line kind of moves a little bit and gets closer to 200. If it does, I actually think there's value. First of all, Peyton Manning technically is a better golfer than Brady. And it's it's not a huge delta there, but he is tech, his handicap is technically, I believe, a stroke or two better than Brady. They're both hyper competitive, so they'll be at the top of their game. I have a feeling Peyton Manning has actually probably been out on the golf course a little bit more than Brady for obvious reasons lately. So you have that as well. And then Tiger's better than Phil, like period, end of story. There's no, there's really no debate there. Like Phil has all his like magical trick shots and stuff. And that's fantastic. But the reason he has to shoot those magical trick shots is because he's hitting it in trees every time. So, you know, I don't know how rusty Tiger is, but I'll take Tiger over Phil all day. And so I get the benefit of a better golfer on both ends of it. Minus 230, I don't love. But if you can find a way to maybe parlay that with something, um, if that's what your site allows you to do, then then you're like, for example, a Bundesliga game where you got a heavy favorite. Um that would make a ton of sense. Yes, or a we'll UFC ask. fight. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, UFC is not till the following weekend, but I guess you can you can sweat that out for a week and change. There's nothing wrong with that, man. We're we point. are here for everyone. See, uh, we're here for everyone. It doesn't matter who you are or what you like to do, right? That's right. I appreciate it. So I've actually, while you were giving me a little rundown of that, I did look up some of the match props. Leader after X holes, first to go up uh, by X hole in one. There's a hole in one uh, prop bet. Just yes. 
plus 5,000. So if you, you want to hop on that uh, last hole, there, there's some there's some interesting, it, not nothing nothing too, too crazy, but there's some fun ones out there, leader after kind of stuff. So we'll see. I'm sure we'll dive a little bit deeper on, into that on Thursday when we do get a little bit closer because I think it'll be a little bit more relevant. But you know what is relevant pretty much all year around? The NFL. Uh, yeah, I was oh, going to guess NFL. Darn it. Yeah, ah, yeah it's, beat you it's, to it. it's the NFL. It's the NFL. We know that. Um, obviously, you know, we opened up Thursday's show, which I thought was pretty funny with the arrest of Quentin Dunbar and uh, DeAndre Baker of the Giants and the Seahawks, Seahawks and Giants, respectively. I think that's how English works. You're a lawyer, right? So, yeah, you know how that works. <laughs> and and so both of them have now come out. They have now sworn affidavits, I think. So I, I kind of want to understand this from your side. So people came out said that they robbed them at gunpoint, said that um, DeAndre Baker told somebody to murder somebody else, and now they're coming back and saying, no, 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 none of that was real. We now have written pieces of paper and sworn in testimony that they all take it back. So who's lying? Who paid who to shut up or start talking? How like how does something like this happen, Sia? This is ridiculous. Fifteen minutes from your house, I hate it. It's terrible. Uh, yeah, it's 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 frightening. I'm I'm scared. I'm up all night every night. But listen, he, here's the reality. The, the way I think this is going to shake out, Dunbar's not going to get anything. I really don't think, especially if you have affidavits supporting him and he wasn't the one quote brandishing a gun in any capacity. I don't think Dunbar's going to be um, associated with any any charges that are going to stick. Period. Uh, it's again, it's an assumption based on what I know right now. As far as Baker, I actually do think there might be something to that. Even if you have sworn affidavits, that the fact that you know, if he pulled out a gun, and if there's enough witnesses that actually verify that, then you you kind of have a problem there. So it's kind of one of those things. Well, he'll go to court. He'll probably plead to a lesser charge. It is really good for them that they have potentially affidavits you know, sort of against what we first heard. And that's really how all of this goes always. There's always like an immediate story and then you kind of have to wait and then you get the rest of the story. But yeah, I think uh, Baker's probably still in a little bit of trouble. It's certainly not like career ending or anything like that. I think Dunbar is going to be fine. Um, I'm not just saying that because he's a former Redskin. I actually think legally he's probably going to be fine. Good lawyers, you know, these guys have money. They're going to have good lawyers. They're going to have good representation. These, you know, part of good representation, by the way, is not just the idea that like you'll come up with a great legal argument. Part of good representation, and I worked for a criminal def uh, defense attorney before I got into to civil law for you know the next 13 years, is knowing the prosecutor. So a lot of these guys have had so many, they've logged in so many cases with the prosecutor or the state attorney or the district attorney, whatever it's called in, in each individual locality. And so they can just call them up and be like, hey, listen, you know, I know DeAndre's being an idiot. You know, I probably shouldn't have had that gun on him. I, I can't believe he pulled it out. But listen, we've worked well, we've worked well together over the last few years. Let, let, let's cut this guy a break. Let's plead down to a lesser charge and let's a misdemeanor, you know, and let's call it a day. You know, like he's already going to be in trouble. Like they'll have that dialogue and game over. It's that's what good attorneys do. It's not some magical legal argument that they always come up with. It's because they know Man. the right people and they talk the right game. Well, I, I believe in our legal system if people like you are in it, Sia. So I hope I hope that I don't know, man. That sounds ridiculous. It's just it's just so confusing to me how something can go from like one million miles an hour to the point where someone was told to murder somebody else to like, no, like, no, everyone was kidding. Like how how does something like that happen? I just don't get it. How like all of a sudden all the people if I read the story correctly, all the people that said this happened have now kind of reversed. So either someone's being extorted or someone's lying to police, correct? Like those are really the only two options I'm hearing. 
so you have to understand. So if you get a group, I don't know how many people were there. If you get a group of like 30 people together and you have like emotions are flaring and some people are frightened and some people are angry that something happened. A lot of people knowingly inflate their story because they're so mad at this person for a wrecking their party or threatening them or bringing other people over to threaten them. So a lot of this is just sort of like human nature that you don't appreciate because it's something in your mind. Hey, listen, I would never do that. But like people do that. They create stories and there's really nothing to verify them, but they have their own agenda when they create the story. So that's where I think this is going. I'm not saying DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar are not at fault in any way, but I'm saying an exaggerated story is sort of par for the course for any of these types of things. Ridiculous, man. But hey, it is what it is. We also had a couple other NFL um alumni soon to be alumni nfl players get arrested as well we had ed oliver over the re- weekend dy from not dwy if i'm not mistaken and he had a firearm cody latimer of actually of the redskins now if i'm not mistaken former giants so hey we can shake hands on that one he i think fired a gun just a little too close to some people and they got scared it's just it's so unfortunate because there's like three i, he- I heard the number that earlier this morning it's like something upwards of like three thousand players in the nfl and four do something stupid and now all these terrible things come out all nfl players this nfl players that it's it's pretty unfortunate and you even put here in our notes it's like there's so many good things that players are doing that we don't talk about like how many of these players have charities how many of these players are going to communities larry fitzgerald is one actually we do occasionally talk about he was delivering food for like the last two months it felt like so it's just so unfortunate that you know bad a couple bad apples spoil the bunch but i mean i don't know man like it's it's not coincidence that all these guys have guns or are getting gun charges or DWIs. Like, how, how do you feel about some of these stories that are coming out of the NFL recently? So the, the initial reaction, of course, is, well, listen, these guys have everything. They're throwing it away. What, what, what are they doing? But we have to understand like one or two things. One is a lot of these people are coming into money at an age where they're not a, like really mature enough to really know what they're getting or know how to handle it. Two, and this is something that just from a perspective, standpoint i don't think people really understand or really just you know take the time to really think about unfortunately a lot of these people that you think are really lucky you know they come from backgrounds where they you just can't appreciate where they're coming from maybe like the trauma that they've had you know in high school or middle school or 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 before or after so there's a lot of like perspective that we don't know like for example cody latimer i don't really know the full story there we'll probably sort of get to know it but apparently cody latimer has had some like pretty severe emotional issues and frankly i think i heard or i read that he actually was sort of he was actually he had an interview where he said he had considered you know issues like suicide and things of that nature so i think you know when we hear these stories we sort of have to pause and be like well this is really bad but i'm looking forward to hearing sort of the rest of the story so i can apply a little bit of perspective to this now some of these are just like literally bad apples but honestly i think some of them you need to give the benefit of the doubt to some degree just to hear a little bit more of the story because you know frankly you also have to understand these athletes are really um sort of picked at quite a bit and that they're sort of i don't want to say they're um you know somebody else is necessarily instigating these things but the you know you know, if I'm a high profile athlete, like I'm almost thinking almost like Michael Jordan, like maybe I'm just going to stay home because there's all these people just sort of coming at me. And at a certain point, you reach a boiling point. And sometimes things like this happen, especially if you have a background that, you know, might not be as beneficial as some people that, that, you know, are judging that person. You make a good point, man. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not going to say I understand because I, I came from a pretty great background. I don't have all these people clamoring after me yet, but I mean, once the show gets big enough, you and I, we will be sought after. I promise you that it's just, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. Again, these things are happening and it's, 
I think one of the reasons why it's it's a little bit bigger of a story too is because these guys should be in some sort of, you know, it's virtual team whatever's are going on right now, which means it should be, you know, mini camps or whatever it is in person. And these guys should be with the team facilities, most of them in some capacity, training, getting ready for the season. And now they're kind of out and about. And that doesn't really happen to them at this time of year. So now it's, the weather's starting to get a little bit warmer. Everyone's starting to get a little antsy being cooped up inside for two months. So again, I'm not going to say it's okay. I'm not going to say I understand, but it is an unfortunate situation. And hopefully, you know, these guys get the help they need, of course, but also, you know, figure out something else to do, man. Cause you know, shooting guns and, and driving around drunk, driving around drunk is very rarely, there's an excuse for that one. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully everyone, yeah, hopefully everyone gets better and hopefully, stay away from Sia's house. He's got kids guys. Sia's got yeah, kids and we come don't want to do anything. It's ridiculous. Not Miramar so, guys. No, anything but that. Um, so we do want to talk a little bit more, some positive um, NFL prop bets or, or we want to talk a little bit more positively of the nfl so we thought it'd be fun to hop in some prop bets uh, you know we have our friends over at monkey knife fight so we definitely want to shout them out a little bit we do appreciate what they're doing a lot of prop plays over there a lot of over-unders who do you think is going to score more points more or less kind of stuff it is an absolute blast so we thought you know what let's turn this show into a little bit of a, a prop play you know we're going to have nick on uh later this week i'm assuming because we want to utilize his incredible brain as often as we possibly can but c and i we said you know what we're going to take a crack at it we're going to see what we can do and we're going to go from there so i'll start off with mine so my first one drew Brees passing yards over under 4,049.5. This is on FanDuel's site. Both sides are at minus 112. And I think it's going to hit the under Sia. Drew Brees has not thrown for 4,000 yards since 2017. He is another year older. He's been hurt the last couple seasons. Last year specifically, two years ago, I think he only missed one game. But if he played that one game, he would have hit over 4,000 yards because I think he was at like 39 something. So it's just... I mean, Taysom Hill takes a couple throws away. As we saw, you tell me, Taysom Hill was the better quarterback in the game against the Vikings in the playoffs. I don't think that was really a de debate at that point, especially towards the fourth quarter. I think, you know, based on defensive efficiencies for the 2000 Saints, 2020 Saints offense, it's in the bottom half of the league. It's at 23rd. Also, a harder strength of schedule based on Vegas win totals for 2020. Again, 23rd ranked. They become a more balanced attack. And they're not quite the team that throws the ball 650 times anymore. Last couple of years, 2019, 581 pass attempts to a little over 400 rush attempts. 2018 was almost even more balanced, about 520 pass attempts to about 470 rush attempts. So I do think Drew Brees is going to hit the under again. I do think he misses a couple extra games, and I do think Jameis Winston comes in and still throws his 30 interceptions in about two or three games. So how do you how do you feel about that, Sia? What do you think Drew Brees is going to do this year? Well, I, I like your bet here. And part of the reason is, so your first stat is he hasn't hit 4,000 4, yards since 2017. So the reason for that, part of the reason for that, other than, you know, he just hasn't been quite as good is they have sort of, you know, deferred to the running game more than they did, you know, back when Breeze was sort of in his prime. You know, it was Ingram and it was Kamara. Now it's Latavius and Kamara. Like they have really sort of, a, and, and by the way, I sort of think this is what the Green Bay Packers have been doing the last year or so and will continue to do, proven by their second-round pick, A.J. Dillon. They've got a stable of running backs now. They're going to sort of trot out the same thing, or at least the same idea in, in terms of establishing the run, establishing the line of scrimmage. So I like your bet for, for that reason alone. But then if you pair that with the fact that he hasn't hit 
the 4,000 number since 2017. And you have a very adequate backup in James Winston, like you had with Teddy Bridgewater. So to the extent he does hurt himself or tweak something, I don't think the coaching staff is going to be in a huge rush to get him back because I actually think Winston is a pretty good quarterback under the right coaching staff. So, you know, the Taysom Hill thing, I do want to object a little bit to what you said about Taysom Hill in terms of him being the better guy. That's true, but it's also true because they sort of had him in for a few plays, some gimmicky yeah. plays that were schemed specifically for him. And and what, what I mean by that is I don't think anybody thought he was going to unload the ball 50 yards down the field on, on the one big play that he hit as a quarterback. So, you know, a lot of those things are sort of gimmicky. You know, if he's in there as many snaps as Breeze, you know, is that really the case that he, you know, looks better than Breeze? Probably not, maybe, no. but probably not. So, no, I like the under there, though, and, and uh, you know, for for a couple reasons that I mentioned. I, I'm I'm strong on that. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, I think uh, Troy Aikman's actually the only person that thought if they put in Taysom Hill for the whole game that the Saints would have won the game. I mean, we can all make the joke in those four plays that Taysom Hill was in. Yes, he looked better than Drew Brees. Don't get me wrong. But of course, no, that's not quite how it works. But yeah, I do. I do like it. I think it makes sense again, you know, especially with with looking at win totals and the defensive efficiency that the Saints are going to have to go up against. It's going to be difficult for them. I still think they make the playoffs. I don't think that's going to be a problem. The division did get harder, obviously, with Tom Brady, but we'll see what happens. So who do, who is uh, who's on the docket for you, Sia? Who, what's your uh, what's your first pickup? So I like, you know, okay, the Broncos. You know, Win Daly is all over the Broncos this year. Yes, and so absolutely. When the schedule came out, and especially when we look at the Warren Sharp metric in terms of strength of schedule, I didn't love it quite as much. I didn't love the seven and a half over quite as much because I just didn't like the order of things. I was a little shaky on their schedule. However, I still like it. And knowing that they drafted, what was it, KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy, that Fant mm-hmm. is now in, it has another year under his belt. Of course, they have Cortland Sutton. They have Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon that, who can catch the ball. And Drew Locke was pretty good last year. His over under in passing yards is 3,375.5. I love that they put the 0.5 on there. Like, yeah, that's right. Come to play. Like, I don't know. You never know. I've, I've, I've been doing this a long enough time. It might come close to that 0.5. But the point is listen, and, and by the way, we talked about Nick earlier. He and I talked about this, and I'm pretty sure this was his idea originally. So I'm kind of stealing it. Nick, I'm sorry. We can talk about it on Sirius uh, on, on Sunday if you want, and you can take credit for it. But the reality is 211 yards per game, if he plays a full slate of games, that's what he would have to average. Now, we know the Denver Broncos defense. We know they have the edge rushers in Chubb and Von Miller, but that defense is without Chris Harris now. It's not exactly some like stout defense that's going to come in and stop teams to 14 or less. So they're going to have to pass the ball, you know, pretty much all four quarters, you know, for most games or at least uh, equal distribution of passing, just, you know, equivalent to other teams. And what I'm saying is 211 yards is pretty low for a team that's going to like if you have the best defense in the league. OK, you know, that's a different that's a different story. But for Drew Locke coming off the season, the half a season that he had, knowing that they just injected two receivers into that lineup and they're obviously going to be willing to pass the ball. if That's how they're going to draft. Uh, 3,375 seems a little layup-ish, to be honest with you. Yeah, it is. It When you put that one down, I guess I missed it. I think I, I've spent a little more time on FanDuel than I did on DraftKings, but that one, it just seems so low, right? Like, all he has to do is essentially play 16 games, and in the NFL, to not average 211 passing yards is weird right like that i find it very hard to believe that a quarterback starts all 16 games has some sort of ability and doesn't at least average 211 passing yards so yeah i think that's one we want to hammer the over on that one so uh you know we got a little over we got a little under so i like the way we're going so my next one i have dalvin cook rushing yards over under 
1160.5. Both sides again on DraftKings minus 110. I am taking the over on this one. So he is in his contract year. You know, game seven are the two most famous words in sports, right? Those are the two words we all love. And fantasy football and fantasy baseball, the two words I always look for, contract year. This dude's looking to get paid. He was obviously, those first couple years, he was hurt most of the time. I think he barely played in his first year. I think he tore his ACL, and then he came back. He was kind of crappy his next year. Last year, he was fully healthy. He missed a couple games towards the end of the season, but I think the Vikings were already in the playoffs. I then played Mike Boone. I then lost my fantasy championship because of a dumb dumb mistake but it is what it is and we continue to move on from there so the rushing defense against is in the top half of the league so they actually have an easier schedule and if the receivers do anything so they drafted uh jordan jefferson out of our yeah jordan jefferson right out of lsu justin I'm, jefferson Jake, thank you i knew it was a j sorry about that oh i'm thinking about the lsu quarterback jordan jefferson because i was listening to another podcast that's that's a whole nother story on itself uh they drafted justin jefferson adam thielen we'll see what happens there they still, I think Kevin Rudolph is still on their team. It, it, They have enough in passing. They have enough in blocking. I think he'll be fine. Kevin Stefanski does leave, but Gary Kubiak had a the, the heaviest of hands in creating that offense and turning it into what it is and what it was compared to a couple years ago when they had John DiFilippo and they threw the ball a million times. And they're like, you know, you have a pretty good running back, right? But he just did not want to believe them. Strength of schedule is easier than average as well, leading to a couple, uh, hopefully more leads late in games. Whereas we were talking about with the Broncos, Drew Locke's going to have to throw the ball. Hopefully the Vikings are going to have to run the ball. And Nick, our good friend, our good buddy, Nick, uh, not going to say his last name because I'll butcher it just as you guys all butcher my last name, thinks that Madison and Boone are going to take some carries away in some capacity. But I still think Cook hits the over here. So how do you feel about uh, Dalvin Cook and his contract here hitting 1160.5, the over? So it's going to be a little squirrely that I say this because I have my next pick is a running back. And, and I was going to say before I say that pick, I was going to say I don't love prop bets with running backs. And it's for the obvious reason, right? It's because we're afraid they're going to get injured. And Dalvin does have an injury history. Mm -hmm. With that said, with that said, knowing that running backs get injured, I mean, that's sort of baked into the yardage price. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, you don't have to really be too scared of the yardage figure because obviously, you know, running backs get injured and people who are setting the lines know that. Um, if that was like a really big issue, everybody would be hitting the under all the time and mm -hmm. Vegas would lose their shirt. So, you know, this one's kind of a stay away for me because he does have the the injury history. He does get dinged up here and there. Um, you know, he, it's funny. I actually, the, the one league where I missed uh, out of five leagues, the one league where I missed the fantasy playoffs was because he actually got, I think, I believe a, a shoulder injury right after halftime in, in, in his final game, um, before the playoffs. And I was like 0.2 away from actually taking over and getting the last spot in the playoffs. And I missed it because he went out on that play and it was just so brutal. But the point is, I, I, because of Alex Madison, because Boone is good, I just feel like if he does tweak something again, it's sort of that same argument we had before. Like they'll be okay kind of leaving him on the bench for a little bit and sort of saving him for the playoffs because I actually do think the Vikings are going to make the playoffs this year. So I don't think they're really going to push the issue with Dalvin. I don't dislike your bet, but for me, it's a stay away because I love what they have behind him. I think Alexander Madison is great. I'm not as big on Boone as Nick Brettwish is, but I do like Alexander Madison and, um, this is a stay away from me. I appreciate the uh, the uh, the explanation and appreciate the pronunciation as well. That's why you're a good <laughs> friend, Sia. But no, I understand that. I mean, he had, it's definitely, you know, running back props are what they are, as you said. It's kind of baked into the yardage already, but it is, you know, if he misses 
three games, really very little shot. He ends up hitting that number, but I do think there is a good shot. And I do think he's going to try and play as much as he can due to the fact that it is his contract year. And I think as, as Zeke Elliott told him to do when he signed his Jersey, he said, secure the bag. Um, so I think Dalvin cook's going to want to make sure he does everything in his power to do that. So onto your next play, I guess you wanted to go to your, your running back play. I'm assuming then. It just, it makes sense. So like this is going to be, this is going to be a little ironic because I'm going to say Kenyon Drake over 1,050 yards. And I was just saying no to Dalvin Cook, who's, you know, obviously a better runner, uh, you know, a hundred more yards, but listen, it's a different offense. And I don't think Chase Edmonds is as much competition to Kenyon Drake as both Alexander Madison and Boone are to Dalvin Cook. Also, a lot of people don't think Kenyon Drake can handle the full workload. And I sort of understand where they're coming from, but he's really shown no evidence that he can't. And he's he's one of those running backs that's sort of constantly disrespected. I, I swear every Miami Dolphin, former Miami Dolphin, you know, is always Damian Williams. Like you got to bring Clyde Edwards Hilaire in for, with your first round pick. Like Damian Williams has been really good in, in every facet of the game. So, you know, back to Kenyon Drake, I just love that offense. I think there's going to be a lot of room for him to run. You know, you add DeAndre Hopkins, you've got Larry Fitzgerald, you've got Christian Kirk, you got a bunch of young receivers in Isabella. Uh, Johnson and some other guys there. And then you've got Kenyon Drake with limited competition and you've got a quarterback that can run the read option too. So not only are there going to be holes because there's just going to be, you know, they're going to spread the field like they like to do, but on these read options, you know, it's one cut, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's one cut and a guy like Kenyon Drake can fly. So if you bake in two or three house calls for Kenyon Drake, which I think he is more than capable of doing on an entire season, you've already clipped off like, 200 yards of the you know 1050 that you need and i just think if he's if he stays healthy for i don't know 13 to 14 games i think it's an easy cover i do like that and it does make sense again he he's not really injury prone at least from from my you know recent recollection i don't i don't think he's ever been you know kind of the guy like like with dalvin cook we've he hasn't been healthy for a full 16 yet uh granted last year he was a lot healthier he played 14 but yeah it's definitely one of those where I see where you're coming from. I do think the read option is going to be a lot of fun. It was really cool when they ran, everybody was running the read option, what, like eight years ago for that one season. And it was fantastic. And then that all kind of went away quickly, but I'm really interested to see what he does there. And yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Chase Edmonds is as much of a, uh, as a threat as some other people do like to think, but we'll see, man. I think that Cardinals offense is going to be awesome. Deandre Hopkins, the ageless wonder and Larry Fitzgerald. I think he just turned up like another two birthdays within the last week or so. So he's got to be at least 70, 75 at this point. It's ridiculous, but we'll see, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll rock and roll. I mean, he had that one game last year where he had what four touchdowns, I think. So, so I want to note that on, on Sirius XM on Sunday, we know it was pretty much an NFL show. And one of Jason's, we have that pick three segment where we sort of pick a, a top tier thing and then a middle tier and then a long shot thing. And so the subject matter was, you know, Super Bowl odds, Super Bowl winners. So his long shot was Arizona at 60 to one. And the reason that sounds kind of ridiculous is because not only do they have to emerge out of the NFC, which is very competitive and very deep, but they also have to emerge out of the NFC West, which, you know, if you, if you, talk about San Francisco and just Seattle, forget about the Rams for a second. It's also very competitive just within that division. However, if you look at Arizona's schedule and you look at what, at least what they did on offense, um, you know, it's, 
possible that they make the playoffs. And again, you start hedging your bet once they make the playoffs. You got a 61, 60 to one shot. You can start hedging earlier than if, you know, if you're hedging like a 20 to one or a 15 to one shot. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there is value in 60 to one. So, you know, after looking at the schedule, I kind of agree with Jason. Listen, this is a hot team. And Kyler Murray's been a little bit better than I thought he would be. They added weapons. I can't argue with the fact that they're going to be a pretty solid team this year. I think they will be solid. And there are a lot of people, and I feel like people have been making the comparison since like halfway through last season where, well, who's going to be this year's Lamar Jackson? And there's really only one other quarterback that runs anything like him. And it's Kyler Murray. Granted, it's not the same thing, obviously. I think Kyler Murray actually has a, a, a more it has a better arm. I mean, I've watched enough of Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, at least in college. And I think Kyler Murray, it's just weird how the ball, like it spurts off of his hand. It's so crazy. And I do enjoy watching him play. I also love watching the big 12. Um, hi, my name's Mike and I love the big 12 and I'm okay to say that <laughs> I'm okay with it. It's just a personality trait and I walk around with it. It is what it is. Can I tell you something that, that apparently is controversial, but shouldn't be. Oh, are you ready? Yeah. I don't think Lamar Jackson is an accurate passer. He wasn't at Louisville. And he does some things that make him look accurate on Baltimore. Sometimes he'll sort of drop his shoulder. He'll sort of sidearm something and like Brett Favre, you know, and it's, it's precise and it's like crazy and it's awesome. But if you had him sit back in the pocket, like a, you know, a classic sort of like three or five or seven step drop and try to find a receiver, he's, I'm not saying he can't do it but he's not an accurate quarterback. I, you know, I think last year he, he made some strides, but I love Lamar Jackson as a quarterback, not only for fantasy, but just in real life now. But at the same time, now your point about Kyler Murray, I, I guess that's my point. It's well taken. I think Lamar Jackson is a little overrated from a pure passer standpoint. All right. And that's at Sia Najad for any Ravens fans <laughs> out there or uh, Lamar Jackson stands at Sia Najad. Don't worry. Everything will be in the show notes. But no, honestly, I, I kind of agree with you. I do think he he obviously deserved MVP last year and everything that oh, he yeah. did. I mean, it's one thing to be accurate. It's another thing to be perceived as accurate. And what do we know about perception? It is reality. So um, again, that's at Sia Najad. So uh, disclaimer, (laughs) hold on. Disclaimer for Raven Nation. My Super Bowl pick this year at seven to one is the Baltimore Ravens. I think they are the best team in the NFL. I think they were the best team in the NFL last year. They absolutely reloaded in the draft on both offense and defense. This team is for real. Please send your hate mail to at Michael Razzilli one. One. Don't forget the one. Thank you for the pronunciation. And no, I'm I'm all for the Ravens. I think they're great. And I like Lamar Jackson, too. I watched a lot of college football, as I said, and I uh, always, always enjoyed his games. And there was something else here that I had that I wanted to bring up, but I'm not remembering it right now. So we'll uh, we'll just wa- rock and roll with it. So my last pick, we each did three. So I guess this is kind of like your pick three segment. We each did a quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Maybe we can just kind of like make this a really, really broad Little uh, little kind of thing that we're doing here, but my uh, my last pick here, I have Henry Ruggs the third, who who screwed me over in the draft. Let me just say, or at least the Ra- the Raiders did. I had the heavy heavy over thirteen and a half. I think you were the only one that was under thirteen and a half. Where I think that's where you made your money back on that Tristan Wirfs pick. But I have Henry Ruggs the third over uh, receiving yards over under four uh, seven forty point five. Both sides at minus one twelve on FanDuel. I have the over. Uh, he has, there's no other wide receivers uh, there. I mean, they have Tyrell Williams. They drafted a couple other rookies as well, which, okay, that's fine. But he was clearly the cream of the crop. He was, many people considered actually taking him first overall, at least from draft Knicks that I read 
considering his speed, the opportunity he has, the incredible route running, he's not just a straight line guy, which you mostly find in, uh, I would say, Oakland, but now Las Vegas. Darren Waller, their tight end, was their leading receiver last year with 90 catches and over 1,100 yards. There's obviously going to have to be a little bit of regression there. No wide receiver topped 50 catches. Hunter Renfro, Renfro had 49, but not in a single wide receiver had 50 catches. So he immediately comes in as the best receiver on the team. He averages, he averaged 17.5 yards per reception in college, which I think is pretty damn good. Obviously, I don't think he's going to do exactly that. But if he averages three catches a game and has that average of 17.5, he beats the 740.5 total, which I think is great. As I said, they brought in a couple of wide receivers, notably Lynn Bowden, more of a gadget guy. I don't think he's going to do anything. The one thing that when I did a little more research, I realized he never topped 750 yards in college. So that's why this pick does give me a little cause for concern. But he also had three other incredible receivers on that team, and they didn't really need to throw the ball within you know the second half most of the time there at Alabama. So I do like the over 740.5 on Henry Ruggs III for his receiving yards. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, I like it. You know, I'm a big fan of Henry Ruggs and it's, it's because of what you said, you know, we think of these burners as guys that aren't route runners or aren't good at the point of catch. Well, Henry Ruggs is good at everything. So I like it. What gives me a little pause is we don't know what the extent of training camp and or preseason is going to be. So I worry a little bit, particularly about these rookie receivers, rookie running backs, not so much. If, if they can block, I think they'll be kind of put in there pretty quickly, at least quicker than a rookie receiver will. But if there is a really limited time, if there's limited time for Henry Ruggs to get acclimated, A, to the system and B, to the quarterback, I have a little hesitation because I just wonder if the first few games, they're almost just like kind of kind of avoid him. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's why it gives me pause. But I'll take the over unless unless we find out something that is you know pretty extreme with respect to the preseason. I really like this guy's a burner. I mean, he he can catch and he can run. And I see a few house calls here and, and that's really all he's going to need to get uh, to get that over. That's what I was going to say. I think he's so fast. I would not be surprised if he has, as you were talking about with Kendon Drake, same thing, a couple 75 yard receptions this year. I would not be surprised if there's a couple 150 yard games in there. I mean, 250 yard games out of 16, he's almost halfway to that total already, which I think again, even if those first four or five games aren't the best, you get me 50 yards a game in each of those. I think we're going to be just fine in terms of hitting that uh, and hitting that over. So I'm, I, I agree with you the extent of training camp and everything. So we'll have to see, maybe I don't lock this one in just yet, but I do think that over 740 is going to look good. And I'll give you one other thing. And, and I understand there's not a lot of pressure on the GM for the Las Vegas Raiders or the coach because of who they are and what their contracts are. However, if you're going to invest in a receiver of all positions, the number 12 pick, which is, I, I believe it was the number 12 pick it was in a receiver that people are sort of kind of questioning aren't you going to prove your point as hard as you possibly can? Mm -hmm. I mean, if anybody wants to prove their point, it's the GM and the coach of that team. So, you know, and I like Mayock and, and I actually think Mayock's a good GM. I, I actually didn't love his draft this year and that, you know, everybody can make mistakes. And I didn't like their, I did not like their draft because of Henry Ruggs. I, I didn't like it because of what they did after Henry Ruggs, particularly with their second pick. But the point is they are absolutely going to try to prove how right they were because they drafted Ruggs over Judy and over, you know, CD Lamb and all these other, you know, Jefferson and all these guys that, you know, potentially had a better pedigree than Ruggs. So I, I just sort of just thought of that, but I, that's a sort of another reason why I kind of like your bet quite a bit. 
Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I mean, John Gruden is kind of an egotistical maniac. I I'll say kind it. Um, kind of, right? So I do think, and, and again, I think the thing with Henry Ruggs is, yeah, he can run routes, so we'll see what that looks like. But also just get him the ball in space, man. You know, have a, you know, uh, I loved when Odell was on the Giants. Run a four-yard slant. Just if you run that enough, he will take it to the house. That's just kind of, that was the expectation at some point. So I think the same thing can be done for Henry Ruggs. As you said, he's going to catch the ball. He's going to run a great route, and he is fast. So they are going to be gadgety. So they got Bowden, like you said, mm -hmm. and I think they're going to classify him as a running back. Let's say they have him in the backfield. Let's say he, he he splits out into the slot. They've got Waller. Like, let's say it's trips left wide receiver screen. And you got a, you get a couple good blocks and he's gone. Like you just get the ball in the guy's hands. I mean, he's not necessarily Tyree kill yet, but he's that type of electric where you just get the ball in his hands. Don't, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a 15 yard post, get it in his hands and he'll go. I love it. I love it. And what about your last pick, Sia? Who do you got? I like Devontae Adams a lot. You know, we were talking on, on the serious show. We were talking about Derrick Henry, okay? And Jason is really big on Derrick Henry for good reason, right? But he's sort of he's sort of all, you know, kind of across the board. The reason I'm bringing Derrick Henry up is because I like Derrick Henry right about seven in redraft leagues. And I'm talking non-PPR just to be particular here. Because in PPR, he'd probably drop a few spots. But in non-PPR, I like him seven. The reason I like him seven as opposed to six is because there is one receiver I like better than Derrick Henry, and it is Devontae Adams. I just love him. I love his target share. The fact that the Green Bay Packers didn't help Aaron Rodgers from a from a wide receiver standpoint just speaks to me. Hey, Rodgers is just going to be locked in on Devontae Adams. Of course, he's going to have other targets to throw to, but nobody he's really going to be relying on. And speaking of relying on, the Green Bay Packers last year in the playoffs, I mean, I have the stats here. They just unloaded the ball to Devontae Adams. It was against the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers, nine of 10 for 138 and then eight of 11 for 160. So, uh, you know, not every game is going to be like that. But when Aaron Rodgers really needs somebody and it's not somebody in his backfield, it is going to be Devontae Adams. And his over is 1,200 and a half yards. I just realized what the 0.5 is for. Of course, they don't want the, the line to push. So that's, that's where that's coming in. But over 1,200.5 yards, that's minus 110 on DK. But in monkey knife fight, I'm taking the over there. I love it. I love it, man. And I think again, you know, he, he was hurt and he missed what I think four games he missed, but even when he came back those first few games, you could tell he wasn't right. Like it just did not look great. Uh, of course he torched the giants, I think, or no, Aaron Rodgers did. I don't think, I can't remember. I think Devonte Adams actually had two touchdown catches, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even three, but it's, um, it's a solid play, man. I mean, I think again, you're right. They're going to target the hell out of him. He's going to get, yeah. What I think you said 10 catches and 11 catches in those two games. Yeah, it was nine catches and then 10 catches. Nine and 10. Okay, so I was off by a little bit. But yeah, they're going to target him. As you said, they didn't help him out at all. They didn't do anything. Uh, I'm excited to talk to Nick because he is actually a pretty big fan. And he was speaking about it on Sirius this weekend of Jay Sternberger, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see if having a competent tight end, um, i.e. not Jimmy Graham, on their roster actually producing that actually might be able to open up the field a little bit as as we've known they've been great at running the ball this last these last couple of years they drafted a essentially a fullback in the second round so i'm really hoping they continue to run the ball which again just opens up the door a little bit for some play action passes Devonte adams can do his thing and yeah i mean he I, you have it here a little under a thousand yards in 12 games but again like three or those games when he came back he was not right 
Correct. And just to be clear, he caught nine and then he caught eight for 160 against the Niners. But I do want to point out, a, like just a good comp is 2018. He played 15 games, which again is not a full season, but it's pretty damn close. 1,386 yards. Okay, so that was two years ago. So you might be like, well, is he a little long in the tooth? He's 27. He turns 28 in December. So he is still absolutely in his prime. If he plays 13 games, he hits this number. Ooh. And if he plays 12, he still might hit the number. Probably Ooh. not, but he still right. might hit the number. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Again, it depends on if he's hurt during those games as well, but I do like it. And yeah, so th those are our picks. Just to recap, I have the over on Dalvin Cook's rushing yards, 1160.5, minus 10, uh, 10, uh, 110 on DraftKings. I have Henry Ruggs receiving yards over 740.5, both sides minus 12 on FanDuel. I have the over there, and I have for my quarterback, Drew Brees, passing yards under 40 49.5 at minus 112 see you want to give us yours one more time yeah i i want to give you i want to give you an extra one that's not even oh. applicable here oh uh, my goodness drew you're gonna get a kick out of this one drew lock over 3375.5 yards Devonte adams over 1200.5 yards and drake over 1050.5 rushing yards and of course anytime we are doing over and unders i have to say this it is it is part of it is just going to be part of this season. I'm always going to come. At, I'm always going to come with this. You have to take the New York Giants minus under six and a half wins. Thanks, Sia. Really, really Put it appreciate in right that. now. The Giants, Ravens fans, six and a half Ravens fans. Wins. It is at keep talking Sia about it. I'm you, it is the better. It is at Sia Najad, Ravens fans. He doesn't think Lamar Jackson that good. He doesn't think Lamar Jackson's that good. No, this has been absolutely fantastic. I hope you guys take advantage of some of these bets. We'll put these up in article form on the website. Please visit us at Windaily Sports. We are free. Everything's free right now. So take advantage of some of the season-long stuff we got going on, especially for the NFL. We got some great MLB articles going up recently with our, one of our new writer, Timmy Siggs. If that's not the coolest nickname, I don't know what is. Obviously, Nick to wishes. He's a great guy. He knows what he's doing. We're going to be doing a lot more stuff with him for the NFL coming up very shortly. We're going to have some fun with that as well. I mean, just, just go there, hang out with us in the discord. We had JMO on. We really appreciate him. He gave us some lines. He helped Sia make some money. Rich Masana helped me make some money in, in uh, German soccer. I was watching German soccer. I wasn't sweating too much because I knew I had rich on my side. So that made it easy, but we're here for you guys. So come check us out in the discord. Ch come check out the site. Everything's free. I am Michael Raziel. For my man, Sia Najad, we appreciate you all. Thank you all so much and make it a wonderful day.